Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. You're listening to The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at band.video. Freedom-loving, pro-human American in the year 2022. It should be obvious to you by now that the federal government hates you. Over the past two years, this tyrannical institution has subjected all of us to a hellacious circus of psyops that strives ever upwards towards the peak of clown world. However, you and I both know that there is no peak to clown world. So how do we get off this ride? What do we do? Let's take a moment to remind ourselves where we're currently at. Where are we at? And then explore a solution that few people are talking about right now. Subscribing to an ideology that rejects God and objective reality, our government is attempting to steer America towards an anti-human, transhumanist future. To pave the way for this, definitions can be rewritten and memory hold at their request. The First Amendment is subject to a biased algorithm curated by limp-wristed metrosexuals in California. A nightmare, you say? <laughs> Nay, this is democracy. This is progress. This is their truth. Your sperm don't make you male. Then what does? It's a constellation. In reality. In truth. Okay. Whose truth are we talking about? The establishment's idea of progress means demolishing restraint against our baser impulses and desires. In an age where millions are atomized by social media and struggle to feel anything real, the causes of progressivism embolden the liberal masses by fueling their egos and giving them a sense of purpose. Whether it's through the compliance of urbanite champagne clinkers or the belligerent rage of outright psychotics, the federal government is furthering their agenda by openly encouraging this standing army of moral relativist children. The cement has hardened, and the people who remain ignorant will most likely never wake up to the evil that they are supporting. So what do we do? Solutions to this madness appear hard to come by. Grab the muskets? No. The feds want nothing more than for a LARPy conservative uprising to happen so they can institute full martial law. Various alumni of the Ray Epps Drama School have attempted to provocateur this with hilarious results. If you blow my truck up, man, hey, it's on you, guys. I'm ready to die for calls. I'm ready to die for calls. Sure, Jan. They've revealed what they want most of all, and we must not give them that. But wait, how about voting our way out of this? Are you serious? Again, what do we do? I believe that the solution to this open tyranny begins by asking a single question. Should we still be a part of this? Should we still be a part of this corrupt, degenerate federal machine that is powered by blackmail and is actively engaged in a demonic pact with anti-human postmodernist pedophiles? Why are we stuck playing hand after hand in this openly rigged card game? Why are we still here? It's time for freedom-loving Americans to begin a national conversation on the subject of peaceful divorce. Secession. Yes, the S-word. We have a hard time even saying the word secession because we've been gaslit into thinking that leaving a rigged card game is somehow being unreasonable or cowardly. Or maybe it's because generations of history class programming has taught us to associate the word secession with other fun words like slavery and racism. Let's conclude this report by examining two secessionist movements happening right now. 
The Greater Idaho Movement, started by a man named Mike McCarter, is a campaign to merge the conservative state of Idaho with the eastern section of Oregon. Eastern Oregon is predominantly rural, conservative, and can no longer tolerate the city of Portland speaking for them. While the movement is still young, it's nonetheless gaining traction and has support from the state of Idaho as well. However, the liberal media has wasted no time scoffing at it with pompous Marvel movie sarcasm. Okay, so what is MOVE Oregon's border? We want to adjust the border, taking Eastern Oregon, mm -hmm. shifting to Idaho, to help maintain the conservative values that Idaho has over there. You're like the first guy I've ever met who wants to go to Idaho. Amazing. They still don't understand that that patronizing, I'm so much smarter than you tone is what got Trump elected in 2016. Ultimately, the U.S. Congress would need to approve of this border shift should the movement come to pass. This process is outlined in the Constitution and has happened before. Eastern Oregonians are exercising their rights to self You're watching The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. American Journal, ladies and gentlemen. What a crazy time it has been. I am your host today, Chase Geyser, stepping in for the great Harrison Smith. It is always an honor and a pleasure to be with you. All sorts of crazy things going on in the world today. The red wave that was much anticipated by all, including myself, doesn't appear to have happened with the midterm elections. So what does that mean for America? Well, I'm going to have more thoughts on that in the coming hour. We've got a great guest today in the third hour. Adam Krigler is going to join us today in the third hour. But I want to talk a little bit right now about Trump versus DeSantis. Who should we be voting for in the primary? And of course, DeSantis hasn't announced that he's running for election yet, but there's great anticipation that he will make that announcement despite many trying to encourage DeSantis to wait until 2028 to give Trump the opportunity in 2024 to redeem himself, to exact revenge on the leftists who have successfully been taking ground in their invasion of our politics and our culture for decades, particularly in the last five, six, or seven years. Now, whenever Trump's name is on the ballot it's going to be hard for me to vote for anybody else, to be honest with you. The reason that I voted for Trump in 2016 is the same reason that I voted for Trump in 2020. And that reason is because everyone that I hate, hates him. That's the primary reason. Now you can say, you know, he's got great economic policy. He's got great foreign policy. We were taken out of uh, so many wars. We established the embassy in Jerusalem. There were so many reasons policy-wise to vote for Donald Trump, and I agree with many of those reasons despite my uh, reluctance around his last year or his handling of the pandemic. But really, the only reason, the main reason that I support Donald Trump is because everyone who hates America absolutely hates him. And I think that is a testament to the fact that 
he actually is endeavoring to do what he claims, which is clean the swamp, drain the swamp. Now, a lot of people are critical of Donald Trump because he failed to drain the swamp. And frankly, what we've seen from Elon Musk in the last couple of weeks has been more an example of what it looks like to drain a swamp than what we saw from Donald Trump in four years of his presidency. That being said, if he was just one of them, if he wasn't really trying to drain the swamp, if he wasn't really trying to save America, to make America great again, then why is it that the left hates him so much? This is evidence enough for me to be convinced that the man means what he says, despite whether or not he was able to accomplish it in his four years in office. Now, I think it's easy for us to underestimate the amount of challenge, the amount of obstacles that are in the way of that. It's easy for us to say in the four years that he was president, why didn't he do things like clean out the CIA, clean out the FBI, drain the swamp, surround himself with with better, newer voices, newer ideas, newer faces instead of establishment political influencers like he did. We can criticize him for these things, but I think we have to remember that being the president of the United States is a job of chasing many rabbits simultaneously. And when we chase many rabbits simultaneously, we frequently fail to catch a single one. Yet Trump accomplished many great things, especially in the first three years of his presidency. So I'm reluctant to write him off as a failed president or as a failure just because I was disappointed in one, two, half a dozen or a dozen of the things that he did when he accomplished many dozens of things that I find very encouraging and inspiring. Now, that being said, one of my main criticisms of Joe Biden, and it's really hard to pick one because there are so many that I love, is that he's old. He's ancient. And old in and of itself isn't necessarily a problem, but he's not just old. He is stereotypically old in that he can't remember anything. He can't even hardly read a teleprompter. It's very obvious that he's not really running the show. He's the first president that we've had in the United States that actually comes off as an employee and not a CEO type figure. Frankly, I think uh, you could make a badge saying that he is employee of the month for any number of three-letter agencies. I'm sure the CIA feels that he's their employee of the month. The FBI feels like they're, that, he, that he's their employee of the month, the IRS. You name any three-letter swamp agency, any corrupt organization, both uh, um, domestic or international, Joe Biden's pretty much been employee of the month. And I think that's really a disappointment because the president of the United States isn't supposed to be an employee. He's supposed to be a leader, right? Now, the problem is we're looking at Joe Biden now, who by comparison with Donald Trump is, is totally incompetent. Like I said, he can't complete a sentence. He seems to be asleep frequently rarely at the White House, constantly going to Delaware because you don't have to document visits with your doctor if you do it in Delaware versus the White House. All sorts of reasons to believe that Joe Biden has totally lost his mind despite the corruption that we know that he is intimately associated with. But my concern is if we are to elect Donald Trump in 2024, that means that by the end of his term in 2028, he would be 82 years old, I believe, if I've done the math correctly. And people say, well, Trump's stamina is just incredible. I agree. He's a very impressive man. He's got a lot of energy. He gives rallies late into the evening without any sort of sign of exhaustion. He's not a low-energy man despite the many criticisms of his announcement speech. But do we know what he's going to be like when he's 82? It seems to me that the older we get, 
the more like a used car we become, just generally speaking. And what I mean to say is if you have a car that you love that has been faithful, loyal, and reliable to you for a number of years, and you put 200,000 miles on that car and you've had no issues, you can sell that car or you can keep that car and you can say, look, I've never had a problem with this car. But the older that car gets, the more things are going to go wrong with it. And the more things are going to go wrong with it unexpectedly. So what I'm trying to say here is, yes, Donald Trump has been an incredibly impressive man for his age. But is he getting into that stage of his life where things can start to go wrong unpredictably? Should we elect a man president who at the end of his term will be in his early 80s and expect that man to perform with the same level of competence that he has in his youth? I don't know. And like I said, it's going to be difficult for me not to vote for Donald Trump. But I still have yet to make the decision as to whether or not I'm going to vote for him for a third time. We will be taking your calls in the next hour. Make sure that you call in 877-789-2539. I want to hear from the audience whether or not you have made a decision as to whether you're going to vote for Donald Trump in the Republican primary. Now, I know, like I said before, that we don't know for sure whether or not DeSantis is running, but it looks like the two leaders on any ticket in a primary are going to be DeSantis and Trump. So would you vote for Donald Trump or would you vote for Ron DeSantis? Famously called wrong, Ron DeSanctimonious. I want Ron, to talk. My to, favorite's Ron DeSatan. Ron DeSatan. <laughs> yeah. The producer just said Ron DeSatan. I thought that it should have been Con DeSantis. I think that would have been a little bit easier to remember, a little bit easier to spell. I don't think that all Americans know what the word sanctimonious means. And I think if you're going to make a nickname for somebody like Sleepy Joe, for example, you should probably use some vernacular that's a little bit. Um, more conducive to being understood by the entire voter base. But I do first, before we go to the next break, want to talk to you about these blowout sales that we have at InfoWarsStore.com. Up to 60% off of our top selling items. For just the second time in InfoWars store history, we're announcing a selling out mega blowout sale. Even though many of our top selling items are in limited supply and won't be back in stock until next year, We're putting them all on sale for up to 60% off. These are all limited in supply, so be sure to act fast and order today at InfoWarsStore.com. We've got BrainForce Plus, 60% off, Knockout Sleep Support at 50% off, and Alpha Power at 50% off, so you can be smarter, sleep better, and have the alpha power that you need to take back America. Stay tuned, guys. Make sure you call in, and I'll see you at the end of this next state uh, segment. Go to InfoWarsStore.com. As an all-star fighter, businessman, motivational speaker, and philanthropist, Andrew Tate has truly earned the title of Top G. But there's another title Andrew Tate holds that has enraged the globalist. He is consecutively the most Googled man in the world in the last two years. And that's because his message is about human and specifically male empowerment. Now, Andrew Tate is taking his fight to empower and supercharge men to the next level. Introducing Top G Supplements. We are proud to introduce and sponsor the Top G line of supplements by Andrew Tate and his crew. Now you have the chance to benefit in body, mind, and soul with the same supplements that Andrew Tate takes himself. Learn more about these amazing products at andrewtatepower.com. 
andrewtatepower.com and discover the power of Andrew Tate's new supplements that are the highest quality on the market. Men grow up to be like me. You're going to have a whole bunch of people with no criminal record, dedicated athletes who protect and provide for the people close to them. Once a tragedy reaches a level of national significance, American citizens should be allowed to basically question that event in any way that they deem fit. The First Amendment is unique in the world. That's what they want to take away, your ability to speak freely. So they're going to go for Mike Lindell next, or are they going to go for Steve Bannon, or are they going to go for Tucker Carlson? I studied the globalists 30 years ago, but on air 28 years, and I knew they were planning all of this, and I warned the public as a modern Paul Revere. But I couldn't have done it without your support. And now, because we've been so successful warning the population of the planet, not just America, we're public enemy number one when it comes to the globalist agenda. That's why it's more important than ever to realize how successful InfoWars has been because of your past support. So I salute you and I thank you. And I ask you now, at the critical juncture of the battle, to redouble your efforts by visiting InfoWarsStore.com and getting amazing products that keep us on air. 1776 the promo code. The destination is InfoWarsStore.com. And I thank you all. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to The American Journal, band.video. Share it with friends and family and leftists everywhere. Pray for our enemies, folks. But we didn't have the red wave that we anticipated with these midterm elections. What does that mean? Does that mean that the left is winning? And that they cheated in the elections and there's nothing that we can do? I don't think so. I mean, maybe they cheated. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they cheated in key swing areas. But one thing is for sure. We failed as a nation to take our country back in 2020. And we failed again in 2022. I thought there was going to be a sweep. And there frankly just wasn't. It was very lackluster. And it seems to me that the problem is that the Republican Party isn't actually the Republican Party anymore. And what I mean to say is the Uniparty is very real. I mean, we saw Mitch McConnell come out the other day and say that it's time for Republicans and Democrats to meet in the middle. He attempted to reach across the aisle for a moderate approach of compromised progress. And of course, we know that a compromise is when two parties lose something and the beauty of Donald Trump is that he doesn't compromise. He makes deals. And a deal is when two people win something. So we have seen a Congress of compromise established again in the swamp of Washington, D.C. Now, we have a lot of people talk about third parties. After Trump lost the election in 2020, whether he actually lost or not, we saw a slew of posts all across social media For the Patriot Party, this alleged fantastical third party with the famous lion signet. And people laughed it off as impossible for a third party to actualize in the United States. But if you look at history, there are a number of examples of third parties 
coming in and totally changing the political dynamic. And I think what we have seen with this most recent election cycle is that we're not actually talking about whether or not we should have a third party when we talk about a third party. We're talking about whether or not we should have a two-party system, given that we don't have one anymore because there's actually just a uniparty in place. And frankly, a uniparty is the same as a single-party state, is it not? And a single-party state is a catalyst for tyranny, is it not? So how is it that a third party could really sweep in the United States? Now, traditionally, we've seen the strongest third party be the Libertarian Party. And if you look across all the states, the Libertarian Party always gets a substantial number of votes. Not substantial enough to win, but substantial enough to show that there's a national level of interest and support for this party in federal elections. But the problem that the Libertarian Party has – the problem that I have with the Libertarian Party uh, approach – to politics is that they have really focused on these national campaigns and by spreading out their resources and their support nationally they're unable to take hold in any one given geographic area with any substantial weight what if a third party whether it's the libertarian party or a new party committed all of its resources and attention to taking a single state Imagine if Joe Jorgensen, for example, in 2020, instead of running a national campaign, just did everything she could to campaign in Texas. And what if by doing so, she pulled enough votes away from Republicans in Texas that Republicans didn't win the electoral votes of the state of Texas? See, a third party could veto any Republican candidate for president if that third party just focused on a single state. So by spreading out all over, all across America and not taking any single states has rendered a third party's efforts moot. But if they focused on a single state, could they not totally change the political dynamic of the United States and frankly and inevitably change the political dynamic of the entire world? Now, the problem that I've had with this idea, this potential approach up until this point is, well, if we were to do that, if we were to run a third party in Texas, then we would be helping the Democrats because we would ensure that no Republican ever won the presidency ever again. And that has been a serious concern of mine when considering a third party until the midterms when I realized that there is no Republican party and there is no Democratic party. There is only the political class versus the American class. So who would we really be betraying if we rendered the Republican establishment powerless? Would we be betraying the interests of the American people, Republican ideals? Would we be betraying the Constitution or the vision for our nation that our founding fathers set in place? Because it seems to me that it's been a very long time since the establishment Republican Party has actually done anything conducive to the success of this nation, to the uh, propagation of its culture, to the strengthening of its position on the world stage, to the betterment of its people and their prosperity. Would we really be compromising America itself if we – had a divorce from the Republican Party. We hear people talk about national divorce, right? 
the breaking up of America so that states can choose more for themselves, what they want based on what their people want, and the leftists can take their leftist states and ruin them and run them into the ground however they like. This conversation of national divorce has come up many, many times with disgruntled people who are unhappy with the current federal political dynamic. And it's always met with criticism and accusations of racism or white supremacy. But really, I think that we don't need to be talking about a national divorce so much as we need to be talking about a political divorce. What would happen instead if instead of attempting to sever the states from the union, we began to sever ties with the Republican Party to say, you know what, you're fired. You failed and you fail over and over again and you compromise and you don't do anything to stop anything and you've had Hunter Biden's laptop for four years and you haven't done anything up until this point and you're going to put together this committee and that's great. But we all know that House investigation committees don't really accomplish anything because if they accomplished anything, then the Democrats, when they had all the investigation committees set up and campaigning against Donald Trump, would have locked him up. These committees are just political grandstanding. It is the pretending to fight for something that they do. And I hope that I'm wrong about this. I hope that the House investigation committees on the Biden corruption actually accomplish something, actually find the Bidens guilty of something, and that there are real political ramifications, that there are real charges being pressed. But I don't have my hopes up because I can't think of the last time any political party in the United States has actually accomplished anything substantial for any American. So why is it that we give our undivided loyalty to the Republican Party when they fail us over and over again? I don't know. Make sure that you get ready to call in, because in the next hour, I want to take your calls about what you think about the future of third parties in America, what you think about DeSantis versus Trump in 2024. Next segment, we're going to talk about Elon Musk versus Twitter and what's going on in the social media sphere. Make sure you stay tuned and visit InfoWarsStore.com to get those awesome deals happening now. I am extremely honored to be seen by the globalists as their number one enemy. I am blessed to know that our information is so hardcore the enemies of humanity are obsessed with silencing us. They know the truth about their globalist operations is exposed. It's game over. And all over the planet, humanity is awakening and peacefully fighting back. And our main tool is free speech and the truth we promote using free speech. That's why when you share articles and videos from Band.Video or Infowars.com or Newswars.com, it changes the world. And that's why when you go to InfoWarsStore.com and get amazing products that empower you and your body and your immune system and that of your family, you're also empowering the tip of the spear in the fight against the globalist. The fight starts at InfoWars.com and the support of the fight starts at InfoWarsStore.com. God bless and thank you all for your support. InfoWars.com is tomorrow's news today. tuned in to the american journal with your host chase geyser watch it live right now at band.video welcome back to the american journal folks i want to start off this segment 
reading through an article from the American Urinal, otherwise known as CNN. We got this article from Oliver Darcy criticizing Twitter here. Twitter's last gasp. It says, death is in the air on Twitter on the platform Thursday evening where hashtag RIP Twitter was a top trend worldwide. Users wrote what they feared might be their last posts, offering apprehensive goodbyes and listing the other more stable social media platforms where they can still be found. So we see this hit piece on Twitter, and it's no surprise that we're seeing a hit piece because the leftists no longer have control over at Twitter, and they're doing everything they can to undermine Musk's competence as a leader of Twitter and undermine any prospects of a prosperous or successful future for the platform as they now know that freedom of speech does have substantial Potential to return to the platform, freedom of speech, of course, being something that leftists absolutely loathe because freedom of speech is conducive to truth and truth is the enemy of all lies. And so what are we going to see happen with Twitter? Is Musk really the hero that we hope for? Is he the social media messiah that we need to save us from our censorship sins? I think so. And I know that there's a lot of listeners here on band.video who have a lot of reservations about Musk. And we can talk about that in the next hour with with calls. I know that a lot of people are very concerned about some of the things that he's doing in terms of transhumanism and Neuralink and wiring people in as if it's, I don't know, an episode or a movie uh, in the Matrix series. But what incentive would elon musk have if not the one that he claims why is it that musk has such an interest in twitter we know the company i believe when he took uh his position as ceo was losing four million dollars a day i believe is what he posted and we know that there's these mass layoffs uh in large i think that musk is participating in these mass layoffs because he wants to uh, reduce overhead and mitigate costs in a company that's losing millions of dollars a day. But I think that the main reason is a company culture reason where he's trying to weed out the enemies within. And, of course, we're seeing this criticism from from Darcy here at the American Urinal, otherwise known as CNN. We're seeing this criticism as if, oh, you know, it's not really going to be a company if there aren't any employees anymore. If thousands of these employees are, you know, protest quitting then what is Musk going to have left? And there's also these criticisms of Musk saying, oh, he's got no experience in the social media space. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just this you know, billionaire guy that thinks that because he's got money, he suddenly knows everything and he can accomplish anything that he wants. But you got to keep in mind that this guy made his fortune initially by sort of co-founding or having a PayPal-esque acquisition years ago. right? So there's a tech position right there that he has experience in. And then, of course, after PayPal, you see him invest in Tesla and totally turn a car manufacturer around, which is something that he had no experience in before but seemed to be successful in. And you got to keep in mind that Tesla isn't just a car manufacturing company. It's also a tech company. It's not a social media platform, but it's a tech company, just as Twitter is a tech company. So you can't say that he doesn't have any tech experience between PayPal and Tesla. And then... Musk starts SpaceX, 
a company so controversial in the beginning that he could find no NASA engineers that would agree to work on any of the rockets that SpaceX endeavored to create because the NASA engineers didn't believe in private spaceflight. So what did he do? He made himself the chief engineer of the rockets and successfully designed and launched a rocket that for the first time in history could land again. So you've got somebody who creates an internet finance company, PayPal, succeeds. Then he totally transforms car manufacturing with the first electric car that doesn't come off like a limp-wristed California Democrat and succeeds. Then decides he wants to get into the space flight business and designs a rocket that had never before been created and succeeds. But you don't think that he can turn things around at Twitter because that's just out of his wheelhouse? Come on, folks. Don't underestimate this guy. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he's totally happy with thousands of Twitter employees quitting in protest because that means that the enemy within is purging itself. And since the company was losing so much money, and since Elon Musk is among the top five wealthiest people in the world, he doesn't need the money that Twitter could potentially earn. And since it's a private company, he doesn't need to cater to a board of directors or outside investors or compromise like the previous leadership did. So it begs the question, why does Elon Musk care so much? Why does he want Twitter so badly, if not the principle of freedom of speech? This is why I think that he means what he says and he says what he means. I think that he actually believes in freedom of speech or at least a much greater degree of it. And he bought this platform out of frustration regarding the continuous lies that have been written in corporate media, legacy media. And I think that he is trying to, for lack of a better term, democratize news, democratize truth, give everybody the ability to report what they want, say what they want, espouse the beliefs that they have, and let the public court determine what is true and what isn't. Let everyone have access to all claims and all information, and the truth will ultimately prevail. And so these naysayers like we've seen from Darcy here at CNN and countless other major, or major media outlets, corporate media outlets, legacy media outlets, you have to keep in mind that these entities are Twitter's competition. Would you ask Ford to do a write-up and an analysis of BMW and expect any sort of truth? Why should we trust anything that Twitter's competition says about Twitter. Why is it that we still place our faith in these legacy media outlets? Why is it that we believe that anything that they say is true, let alone what they say about their competition? If we look at Elon Musk's history, like I've said before, with PayPal, with Tesla, with SpaceX, we've seen a man who's been successful over and over again in new spaces, a man who not only knows how to do things himself, but how to lead others to a common goal, a desired outcome. So this is not going to be the end for, for Twitter, folks. Frankly, the usership, the user base is up. 
Uh, the servers are uh, uh, being exercised to max capacity. We're not seeing a death on Twitter. We are seeing a resurrection of Twitter. And with a resurrection, similar to the myth of the phoenix, there is a death. There's an old death in order for there to be a rebirth. And I think that Elon Musk is performing a baptism, for lack of a better term, on Twitter. The death of the old. Repent and be reborn. So I'm very excited to see what's going to happen with Twitter. I think that free speech does have hope on the internet. And I think that it's going to be successful. He's going to figure out a way to monetize it. There's going to be more users on it than any other platform because all the other platforms censor freedom of speech. And we're going to see great things in the years to come. But I do want to hear your thoughts in the next hour after the next segment on what you think the future of social media is going to be, what you think about Elon Musk, Neuralink, and Twitter itself. Are you going back to Twitter if you've left Twitter? Have you been banned from Twitter? Do you think that we are going to be able to say whatever it is that we believe on this platform again in the future? Stay tuned, folks, and make sure to check out InfoWarsStore.com for more awesome deals. We always have our biggest sales of the year in November and December. And 2022 is no different. But now as we reach the midway point in the month of November, it's very important to understand that we have almost all of our great InfoWars Live products in stock. But most of them are very close to selling out. We won't get more for several months. Give longer. Some will take three, four months to get back in. We're talking about DNA Force Plus. We're talking about X3. from a body's ultimate turmeric formula. Vitamin mineral fusion. Super mineral vitality. The list goes on and on. But despite the fact that they're all selling out, I want to pass these savings on to you, and we need funds in to continue operating. So this is a year-end blowout sale. 2023 will be here before we know it. So do your Christmas shopping early, support the InfoWar, boost your immune system and your overall well-being at InfoWarStore.com with the up to 60% off sale with promo code 1776 at checkout. Get these great products while you still can and support the InfoWar. Thank you. One of the ways that your audience, you encourage your audience to give you money is in cryptocurrency donations, right? Yes. Infowars.com forward slash crypto. That will end up as a clip on your show tonight. Objection. Your advertisement from your cryptocurrency page. People care about the First Amendment. And in the cryptocurrency, the cryptocurrency page, people can give you in Bitcoin. Yes. Yes. Ethereum, right? Yes. As well as XRP, Monero, Litecoin, USD coin, Dogecoin, and Stellar. This is it. Give crypto, fund InfoWars. Sponsor us with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Thanks to your donations and your support at InfoWarsStore.com, InfoWars is able to broadcast free worldwide, combating the lies of the Great Reset. Give crypto, fund InfoWars. Donate now, InfoWars.com forward slash crypto. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. Some folks are born, 
make sure you call in 877-789-2539. I will be taking calls in the next hour, which of course is right after this segment. I want to hear what you think about a couple of things in your calls. I want to hear what you think about Trump versus DeSantis in 2024. I want, you, I want to hear what you think about the state of the Republican Party and whether or not there's any hope for a third party to solve our problems in America. And I want to hear what you think about Musk's takeover of Twitter and whether, he, whether or not you believe he's the social media messiah we have been waiting for. This segment, I want to talk a little bit about Zelensky, my favorite global leader this week famously. Blaming Russia for bombing Poland when it was actually accidentally, allegedly accidentally, Ukrainian missiles that struck and killed two Polish citizens. Seems that he was blaming Russia in an effort to catalyze more international support for Ukraine in the war between Russia and Ukraine. And it also seems that he didn't mistakenly blame Russia because after it came out and was widely reported that the missiles were actually Ukrainian, he doubled down and insisted that he believed the strike on Poland was a Russian strike. Begs the question, what incentive would Russia have to bomb Poland? I mean, Russia has been faced with the greatest international antagonism that it's seen since the Soviet Union over this war in Ukraine. So why would it catalyze a greater amount of international antagonism just because? What would Russia gain from bombing Poland? Why would Russia have any interest in bombing Poland? I can't think of any incentive that Russia has to do that because there's really nothing to gain by doing that. However, what could Ukraine gain by Russia bombing Poland? Well, if Russia is perceived as bombing citizens and various NATO allies, then couldn't Ukraine get more international support for its its war against Russia? Couldn't Ukraine use this to catalyze more funding into its nation, more arms donated to its soldiers, more antagonism toward its enemy? It seems to me that Ukraine is the only party in this dynamic that has anything to gain from Russia bombing Poland. So it begs the question, did Ukraine bomb Poland on purpose in order to attempt to frame Russia? Or did it do so accidentally and thought, you know what, instead of taking the heat for accidentally killing civilians and a NATO ally, why don't we just say it was Russia so it'll cover us for our mistake and it will also simultaneously garner more support for our cause against this great enemy that is Russia. And then, of course, since we've seen that Zelensky certainly lied about the nature of this accident or intentional bombing of Poland, 
begs the question, did he lie before? Has he lied about this before? We've seen reports over the past several months, countless reports of civilians being bombed by Russia. I think uh, most famously, there was a train station a number of months ago that was bombed. And the accusations, of course, were that Russia is bombing civilians when this train station was bombed and all these civilians died. And now I'm wondering, well, was it Zelensky? Did Ukraine accidentally or intentionally bomb its own people in order to frame Russia for that and garner more and more support? And then with this FTX crisis that we're seeing, we're showing that there's a tremendous amount of money being laundered through Ukraine. So there's already fraud on the financial side of things, not to mention the fact that there's countless examples of fraud in association with the Biden crime family in Ukraine over the last decade. Just look into Metabiota. Don't Google it, though, because Google won't show you anything. You better use DuckDuckGo. It's not perfect, but it is better despite its association with Google. So the question is, why are we supporting Ukraine in this war against Russia? Because it seems to me that we're not really in a situation where we have this underdog Ukraine being invaded by this corrupt bully Russia. Therefore, the good guys are Ukraine and the bad guys are Russia. It seems to me that what's really happening here is we are seeing an example of national sovereignty versus globalism. Where Russia says, look, we're not going to let our policies, our exports be bullied by the international community, by NATO, formerly the League of Nations, right? We're not going to let our policies be determined by global constituents. So in order to safeguard our economy, our exports, we're going to liberate the rebel factions in Ukraine that have been engaged in civil war that's resulted in countless deaths of civilians since 2014. We're going to liberate these areas and we're going to ensure that the international community does not have jurisdiction over our pipelines going through areas formerly connected to Ukraine. It seems to me that the reason that there's countless examples of antagonism toward Russia regarding the war in Ukraine is because the international community wants to put a leash on Russia. They want control over the exports that make up a vast majority of Russia's economy so they can bully Russia into submission because it seems to be one of the only nuclear powers in the world that just doesn't play ball. And that seems to be a national security threat to these, these international communities. And so they're doing everything they can to cripple and control. And frankly, we've seen a lot of talk over the last 20 years, specifically the last few years, over climate change. And there's been this push for the Green New Deal and green energy. And the claim is that if we don't switch away from fossil fuels to green energy, then all of your children and grandchildren will die. But the surf will be very good in the meantime. But is it really climate change that is catalyzing or incentivizing this push for green energy? Or is it the fact that we know that Russia's economy is dependent on the export of fossil fuels? So if we establish alternative energy, renewable energy, then we can totally cripple a nuclear power that is perceived as a threat. Doesn't it make more sense for the international community to push for green energy because they just hate Russia than it does because they're afraid of climate change? 
I think that's what's really going on here. Now, I want to make sure you guys call in because I'm going to be taking calls all the next hour. 877-789-2539. What do you think about Ukraine? What do you think about Trump versus DeSantis? What do you think about the future of the Republican Party? And what do you think about Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter? So what's going to happen when this war ends here in Ukraine? Who's going to win? Russia's going to win, right? I mean, we've seen the subtle encouragement from international parties. It's now being reported that different nations, including the United States, have quietly encouraged Ukraine to negotiate. Zelensky has announced that he is open to negotiations and a public forum, which really comes off sort of like a concession, like an admission of, of losing. So what happens when Russia wins? Russia will still have access to pipeline. But what happens to all the aid that we've given Ukraine if Russia wins? If Russia were to actually totally take over Ukraine after we'd given tens of billions of dollars in weapons and aid, wouldn't Russia wind up with that? It seems incredibly reckless and corrupt that we've made these irrational decisions. And I think ultimately the explanation is that there's a tremendous amount of kickback for Democrats. Everything that goes to Ukraine comes back to the big guy. Now, before we go into the next segment, I want to talk to you about InfoWarsStore.com. For just the second time in InfoWars store history, we're announcing a selling out mega blowout sale. Even though many of our top selling items are in limited supply and won't be back in stock until next year, we are putting them all on sale for up to 60% off. These are all limited in supply, so be sure to order fast if you want some. Try Vitamin Mineral Fusion for 50% off, DNA Force Plus for 50% off, Vitamin D3 Gummies for 50% off at InfoWarsStore.com. We've got Black Friday coming up after Thanksgiving. We've got the holidays coming up next month. These would be a great gift for any leftist who has any doubt in their heart about the war on info. Visit InfoWarsStore.com. Join us next segment, 877-789-2539. I will be taking calls. Once a tragedy reaches a level of national significance, American citizens should be allowed to basically question that event in any way that they deem fit. The First Amendment is unique in the world. That's what they want to take away, your ability to speak freely. So they're going to go for Mike Lindell next, or are they going to go for Steve Bannon, or are they going to go for Tucker Carlson? I studied the globalists 30 years ago, I've been on air 28 years, and I knew they were planning all of this. And I warned the public as a modern Paul Revere. But I couldn't have done it without your support. And now, because we've been so successful warning the population of the planet, not just America, we're public enemy number one when it comes to the globalist agenda. That's why it's more important than ever to realize how successful InfoWars has been because of your past support. So I salute you and I thank you. And I ask you now, at the critical juncture of the battle, to redouble your efforts by visiting InfoWarsStore.com and getting amazing products that keep us on air. 1776 the promo code the destination is infowarstore.com and i thank you all for your support you're tuned in to the american journal with your host chase geyser watch it live right now at band.video Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. We're going to be taking calls this hour. Excited to hear what you think about the future of America. The first call I want to take is Robin from North Carolina. 
how she would vote for DeSantis or Trump. Robin, can you hear me? Hang on. Let me get you off a speaker. Okay. I'm looking forward to hearing what you think. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Um, I would say that I'm reticent about my position on Trump. Um, how should I say this? I'm, I'm in a quandary to the answer. I have mixed feelings at this point. Had Trump attacked the Dems the way he attacked DeSantis, I'd be all in. Uh, and I, I've been a Trump supporter for a long time. But I have a twitch in my psyche because of Trump's alliance with Ronald McDaniel. And that's the sticking point for me. Um, you know, she, there's a reason they call her Ronna Romney McDaniel. She's, she's all tied in with the rhinos. And um, so I deeply support DeSantis. I have family in Florida. I think he's been a stellar governor. I think he needs to learn a little bit more about how to deal with deep state issues. I, I think he's going to be led led by the nose, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, I don't believe he's ready for the traitorous press. And my nature is more of a fireman than a journalist. Um, so Trump's name-calling is misdirected. I think he needs to run against the state, not the Dems. Uh, or the deep state, the Dems and the Rhinos, not the Republican Party. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, I think this antagonism that he's expressed toward DeSantis, rather than coming out uh, of a place of, of genuine opposition, I think it's really a campaign strategy because he knows that there's going to be a primary race and he's got to win the primary before he wins the general. And, and so, you know, if he just attacks the deep state, is that going to be enough to incentivize voters in a primary election. That makes sense to me for a general election, but don't you think that if he's fearing a, a run against DeSantis, he's got to come out against him at some point or other, right? Uh, n- not necessarily. What's the matter with an alliance? Yeah. You know, yeah. Hey, you know, reach out. Congratulate him for being a stellar governor. Congratulate him for um, being brilliant at what he's done. Yeah, you that know, makes sense. It, it, at least make it so that he looks like the good guy. Hmm. But what do you think about if we look back in 2016, obviously the race between Ted Cruz and Trump was incredibly heated. Do you think that if Trump had taken the approach to congratulate Ted Cruz on his accomplishments in 2016, that that would have accomplished the same outcome for Trump um, that he had, Mm. you know, with the antagonism? Apples and oranges. Okay. That was like a, a total different thing. It was an open, blistering primary with 16, 17 candidates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it was a different situation. We aren't even to a primary yet. Yeah. So it, I, I see Trump's demagoguing of DeSantis as disingenuous. Mm. I, I realize he's trying to take out a competitor early. Mm. I get it. But DeSantis is a rising star, and he there will be a time for him. So why not at least give the appearance of an alliance 
then when you come close to the primaries, that's a little different story. Mm. It's a little early to punch him in the face. That it makes, makes Trump look bad. Well, thank you so much for your call, Robin. I think that that feedback is, is really important. I think that a lot of voters feel the same way as you, Robin. Make sure to stay tuned. We're going to take more calls in the next segment. In the meantime, visit InfoWarsStore.com and buy something. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal. We're going to be taking more calls this segment. I want to talk to Shonda in Tennessee on Trump versus DeSantis. Shonda, can you hear me? I'm also trying to get Okay. Hey. Hello? How are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm good. Can you hear me? Yeah, absolutely. You sound great. What are your thoughts on Trump versus DeSantis in 2024? Okay. I think, um, I don't know if it's because Trump, I'm 42 years old. Trump mm-hmm. was the first person. Um, I'm, I'm a libertarian. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've been in the military. So I know how the government works. I'm sorry. Thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. I thought you said, did I break service off? So don't hear very well. Um, So a lot, I think a lot of, I guess the Republicans and the conservatives don't think a lot about because it doesn't get mentioned a lot is that Trump spoke to people like he was not a politician. Mm. And for a lot of people like me, like he didn't speak down to us. And I remember one of the comments that I was like, oh, this guy's different was the day that he came out and he said, oh, you know, our military is out there guarding oil. Like to people like me, I was like, oh, he's transparent because we all have known that. But it was awesome to see someone who was a president of the United States not BS the whole entire public and say, oh, they're out there like fighting for this and fighting for that. No, we were out there to guard oil. And um, the thing with DeSantis is that I I don't know if I trust him 100% yet, just because of the fact that Trump's got the um, F word money to not be bought by the lobbyists and all that in D.C., and I don't know because I haven't seen it right now. He's a big fish in a little pond. If he has that in order to get there and just not, you know, end up bending the knee to the uniparty, which does very much exist, you can see it. And I think the way Trump was doing it instead of a, a whole different party was we have to remember he's really good at working within the system to change the system from the inward, inwards outwards. And I see I see it slowly being done, like slowly across the country. You can watch like more and more people that are the populist movement, not full blown Republican, but kind of like just populist in general, regardless of what party they claim, because most of us don't, um, is changing the party. And that's why there's so much pushback against the people he wanted to get in, because they know it's, it's going to happen. So I don't think we need a, a third party per se Mm. 
but I do think that we need to change the party within to into the umbrella party that it has become instead of just Republicans and conservatives. Yeah. And I'm sorry, maybe it's just because I'm from the East Coast. I 100% get his ball busting because that's <laughs> just the way we all are out there. And if DeSantis cannot get into a verbal ring and beat Trump at it, there's no way he's going to be able to handle D.C. No way. Yeah, that's true. Well, and Trump is certainly a formidable foe. I think of, you know, campaigns are never a pleasant experience for for either candidate. They're incredibly combative. But I think that running for office against Donald Trump is particularly painful for anyone. And so DeSantis is definitely going to have to uh, be able to take some punches in order to to uh, uh, win a primary against Donald Trump. But my concern is when I look back in, in retrospect on, on what happened in, during Trump's presidency, I'm just – I'm not feeling that there was enough of, uh, of a draining of the swamp for, for how long he was in office. And I know that he was faced with this you know, incredibly painful pandemic and nobody really knew how to appropriately react early on. And you know, he let some of the things – some things go or he probably should have done some things differently that were – more difficult to perceive in the moment, but seem more obvious now in retrospect. But, but do we really that that taking into consideration? Do we really think that that Trump is able to drain the, drain the swamp in another term? See, that's where I'm like, okay, I feel like Trump went in there and he was a lot more ignorant to the way the government works than he thought. Mm-hmm. I very much think that he trusted the wrong people and that they used that ignorance against him 100% because I don't see any reason why Bolton, come on, like (laughs) you could have talked to anybody in the military and they would have told you, get rid of that guy like ASAP. He's a warmonger. If you want peace, he needs to go. Um, A lot of other people that he took in, Fauci, get rid of him. He should have gotten rid of him mm-hmm. when he had the chance. Mm-hmm. The guy's been a scumbag since the AIDS pandemic. And I think maybe if he's smart about it this time and he trusts the right people, um, that he could do a lot of good. But I also think because we, the way I look at it, Trump is a master because I've watched him do it of dragging the people within the party into the light, not for his sake but for us to see who they are. So either way, if it's him or if it's DeSantis, this is also showing DeSantis, hey, look at how wishy-washy these people are. They backed me this whole entire time, but then as soon as they got a new puppy, they're like, oh, toss them aside. We found somebody better. Because they will do that exact same thing to DeSantis. And we have to also remember that if they get away with doing this to Trump, then the left is going to know all they have to do is the same run the same game on DeSantis, mm-hmm. and DeSantis is going to have to fold easier because he doesn't have the money to, to make through all the lawsuits that Trump's going. So, like I said, he's either going to have to compromise and become part of the uniparty, or they're going to completely run him into the ground like they did Trump, and then they're just going to keep on doing that to any real like populist leader that we ever even try to get into the right house. Mm. Absolutely. Well, thank you. But I do think Uh that he needs to get a libertarian VP because the libertarian party is growing, but they have crappy candidates because I was going to vote for Joe at first and changed my mind. 
So if he gets the Libertarian VP, he's going to be able to pull those voters. Well, thank you so much for your call, Shonda. I appreciate it. Next, I want to hear from Greg Reese, who's on the line. Greg, can you hear me? Yes, Chase. How are you doing? Thanks. I'm doing well. It's an honor and a pleasure to be speaking with you. I am a tremendous fan. Oh, thanks. You, I think you do a good job hosting. I appreciate you coming in and, and uh, covering for Harrison. It's my pleasure. Thank you for that. I just wanted to express some thoughts on this. It's kind of, I almost wanted to do a report on it, but I, don't, I try not to do opinion pieces. So I just wanted to spew my opinion on the matter. Do it. First of all, if we have two years to focus on another rigged election, then there is something else going on that none of us are aware of, and we are definitely all getting played. That said, the COVID vaccine debacle is mass murder on a historic scale, and Trump owns it. The sanctimonious comment was a leftist tactic of projection. Mm. Trump's behavior can easily be described as sanctimonious, whereas DeSantis is the only elected official I know of in the in the USA who acted like an, effect, an elected official should. You know, he served and he did the right thing. Those are facts. That's not, we're not talking about words, we're talking about facts. The only two things you can say to defend Trump is that he's playing 5D chess <laughs> or that the Democrats hate him. But within two years, we all witnessed millions of people brainwashed into hating Trump Whereas before, they had no opinion about Trump. Within two years, they were turned into emotional weirdos with an irrational zeal of hatred towards them. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that the majority of the people we see in government are no different. They're brainwashed drones. In in many cases, they're the worst. They're MK Ultra drones who hate Trump simply because they're told to. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we're we're in in an ugly situation. And what I see is a lot of people that are very, very disappointed. And I get it. Yeah. Uh, but it's ridiculous, I think, at this point to to think, because here's the thing about Trump, in my opinion, if they can get Trump as our guy, then the powers that be that pull the strings, they know for a fact that they can string us along for another four years. Yeah. Greg, I want you to stay on the line. We're going to cut to yeah. break, but I want you to stay on because I want to continue this when we get back. Until about 150 years ago, cultures all over the world believed that people got sick and died in many cases in the winter because of something called vapors. They associated these poisonous vapors with cold weather. Of course, it wasn't the cold weather or catching a chill that killed people. What was killing people was a lack of vitamin D3. You see, the sun via your skin helps your body produce vitamin D3. But if you're not getting enough sun, you will not produce vitamin D3, and then it's very easy for viruses and other things to start replicating and taking your body over. So now it's more important than ever, because the winter's here, to take high-quality vitamin D3, and we have the best with our vitamin D3 gummies with calcium for better upload into your body for 50% off at InfoWarsStore.com with promo code 1776. Don't wait. Support the InfoWar and your immune system with vitamin D3 gummies at InfoWarsStore.com. Why don't we talk about cryptocurrency? Because one of the ways that your audience, you encourage your audience to give you money is in cryptocurrency donations, right? Yes. And you have a page on your website that's just for cryptocurrency donations, right? Infowars.com forward slash crypto. Is that a little advertisement just there? Well, we're fighting the deep state. We need okay. money. All right. This is it. Get crypto. Fun Infowars. 
sponsor us with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, right? That will end up as a clip on your show tonight. Your advertisement for your cryptocurrency page. You know, I mean, I mean, people want to keep us in the fight. So I, I, I mean, I hope whoever the big whales are, they'll give us money before we keep doing it. We'll just keep, we'll just keep minting money as you're in this courtroom. Objection, we'll catch. All right, let's move on. No, I mean, and people care about the First Amendment. And- Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. the american journal we've got greg reese on the line greg are you still with us yes sir so i take it you have some reservations about trump's antagonism toward desantis well um specifically the the specifics of it the fact that he accused desantis of being exactly what he's been acting like yeah. Trump's been making this whole thing about him. Even his supporters have joined in on that and said things like, he deserves it, or he has an ax to grind, as if this is a movie that we're watching and it's not the future of our lives. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, absolutely. But my question then is, how, how is one supposed to win a primary election if they don't make it about them and don't criticize uh, the opposition? I, I, I share your sentiment, but... I'm curious as to what a better alter, a better approach would be for Trump if he wants to well, be reelected. I mean, ultimately, how are we going to win an election? Right. I've been saying that my whole life. I voted when I was 18 because I was allowed to, and I never really voted since until 2020. 20, I didn't vote in 20, 2016 because I was convinced that the, there's no way Trump would get elected. And even if he did, I... I I am not really into the two-party system. The only way anything's ever going to change is if we change it. And, that, and that's only going to happen in two ways. It's going to happen Sri Lanka style, mm-hmm. which is not what we want. <laughs> that's what we want to try to avoid. Or we do it at the, the way they did it. We go to the local governments because, you know, I love the idea of secession. But if Texas tries to secede, they're going to quickly run into the, the main issue. And the main issue is local governments. And that's an easy thing to solve. You don't even need muskets. You can just hog time and throw them in jail and then start fixing the problems. You know, it's not that hard. But people are going to have to stop watching the movie and get involved because we're not going to vote ourselves out of this. And I understand, like, if you want the thing is, though, that's the thing. You don't hear many people saying that because uh, that's the one thing that the powers that be don't want people talking about. As long as you're talking about vote this way or vote that way, then you're going to have a strong voice in media. Yeah, Uh, because that's the game. Yeah, that, I think that's a I think that's a really good point. And if we look at the history of civil change in this country, it's usually been done by fairly drastic measures, namely civil disobedience. Right. So the civil rights movement was successful in large because there was a lot of civil disobedience. There were sit-ins at restaurants. There was I'm going to sit where I want on the bus. You know, fine, arrest me. And it seems like nothing's going to change unless we have civil disobedience. What do you think about? small business owners in large just refusing to pay taxes. Do you think that that would impact the, the political dynamic in the country? 
I think everyone should stop paying taxes. I think that would be brilliant. How do we get everybody we to die. get on the same page? If we don't, um, yeah, the only, the only way anything ever really changes is, is, is if this looks like a, if it starts looking like a Ron Paul revolution, that's what it has to be. Mm. You know, IRS, CIA, FBI, all these, all these things. Yeah. Gone. Yeah, absolutely. But the the Ron Paul revolution, as impressive as it was, and he was he was the man who inspired me to be interested in politics in 2012 when I was just a college student sitting behind a desk at a student job uh, watching YouTube videos of speech highlights and debate highlights of his. His revolution was you know good enough to keep him in office as a congressman, but ultimately it didn't change anything in the White House, did it? Well, that's what I'm saying. There, there's mm-hmm. no way you're going to do this through the system. Uh, we tried and it's noble and it's great, but the sooner we realize that we're trapped, that's the sooner the, the, the better. And that's how it is in, in, every, in every instance. My life has been a series of me making stupid mistakes and ending up in traps. And the sooner, and what I've learned over the decades is the sooner I can figure out that I've been trapped, the sooner I can figure out that I've been duped and I'm a dummy, the better, because then I can get my start getting out of the trap. And then once mm-hmm. I get out of the trap, I'm a little stronger and smarter than I was before. And that's how it goes. And that's where we're at right now. And the sooner we can collectively realize this and that because the thing is, we all want to avoid the big violent bloodbath. Well, I'm telling you, the way the violent bloodbath happens is by sitting around and doing nothing and hoping some savior comes. That's how the bloodbath comes. That's how we get the Sri Lanka. That's how we get all that stuff. The way out of it is to just start acting like adults. Stop blaming everyone else and go to your local government and start taking control. Eventually, I mean, that's the only way out, in my opinion. And like I said, it doesn't have to be violent because if you look at these city council people, we see them in some video clips, the parents, the, you know, the school, the parents' uh, school meetings and stuff like that. You get a little glimpse of them. These are just dummies that have been paid mm-hmm. off by Soros to take jobs that normally don't pay. That's it. You don't need muskets. You know, you just need a bunch of local people coming and saying like, you guys are fired out of here. You know, how much worse do you think things have to get before people really wake up to that? And I'm somebody who pays quite a bit of attention to politics, but I fail in this, in the category that you're talking about. I couldn't name a single person that's on my city council or school board in my district. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but it's the, it's the fact of the matter. So how do we get to a point where people are actually paying attention? I mean, I'm sure they probably have think tanks that have sorted this out for decades. But unfortunately, my guess is uh, is a lot worse. And the thing is, though, that see, here's the thing is like, I don't what do I know? I know one thing. I know I'm a dummy and I get in a lot of traps. So I try to be vigilant and I try to look out and I try to smell a rat. That's basically all I know. But here's the thing. It also seems like they are intentionally trying to get us. To, to react in some way. I, we, I don't know how people feel about that, but like the, the, the transgender stuff, I mean, yeah, you can say, well, they, they're doing it for this reason. No, no, no. It's crazy. And, and, and I think there's only one explanation why. The thing is that people have to remember is that the enemy isn't the Democrat Party. The enemy isn't this radical left. The enemy are the, is the bankers or whoever controls the bankers, the ones mm-hmm. pulling all the strings. These idiots didn't just happen to get in charge. That's the other thing you can't trust about Trump is he's talking about Biden like he's a bumbling idiot. That's not what's going on, you know? Mm. We don't have some bumbling idiot that just accidentally stumbled into the presidency. You know, that's not what's going on. There is a 
massive psyop happening right now. And it seems like they want to provoke us. So, I mean, to be honest, in a lot of ways, I kind of feel that we're doing a pretty good job of being level-headed and surfing through this. You know, on a spiritual level, a lot of people would even argue that what's happening right now is their hell and their turmoil, not ours. Mm, that's really interesting. And, I, you know, I, I think that you bring up a good point in that you, traditionally we often think of hell as this afterlife punishment for a life of sin. But hell can start before you die. You experience the pain of spiritual weakness during your life, regardless of whether or not there's, there's a hell outcome at, at the end of life. Don't you kind of think? I mean, I, in my life, I've experienced heaven and hell in my life. Mm-hmm. I have, I've reached pits of hell in my life that have um, turned me towards God. And, and I have experienced absolute bliss and paradise on this earth that I would describe as heaven. So yeah, I would agree with you 100%. Well, it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on the American Journal this morning. Thank you so much for calling in, Greg. Um, After the next segment, we'll be taking more calls from listeners. Make sure to go to InfoWarsStore.com and check out the massive mega blowout sales of up to 60% off our top selling items. Get something for friends and family for this holiday season. Stay tuned. More calls. We always have our biggest sales of the year in November and December. And 2022 is no different. But now as we reach the midway point in the month of November, it's very important to understand that we have almost all of our great InfoWars Live products in stock. But most of them are very close to selling out. We won't get more for several months, give longer. Some will take three, four months to get back in. We're talking about DNA Force Plus. We're talking about X3. We're talking about Body's Ultimate Turmeric Formula, Vitamin Mineral Fusion, Super Mel Vitality. The list goes on and on. But despite the fact that they're all selling out, I want to pass these savings on to you, and we need funds in to continue operating. So this is a year-end blowout sale. 2023 will be here before we know it. So do your Christmas shopping early, support the InfoWar, boost your immune system and your overall well-being at InfoWarStore.com with the up to 60% off sale with promo code 1776 at checkout. Get these great products while you still can and support the InfoWar. Thank you. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're listening to The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be taking more calls this hour. We hear from Len in Wisconsin. Are we supposed to be impressed by billionaires? Len, are you with us? Um, you know, I, I'm tired of the Ivy League. I'm tired of the elite. The billionaires, are, are we supposed to be impressed by them if we are? then are we not more impressed by those that control the billionaires? Uh-huh. Yeah. So who do you think is in control we're, the We're in a battle. We're in a battle, Chase. You know, it's been going on a long time. Alan Watts explained there's a lot of clarity in his uh, interview that's on band.video. 
You know, he said they released this in the Roaring Twenties, 1920s. But the church stepped forward and stopped it. Prohibition was going on. They brought in cocaine. The girls raised their dresses up, uh, uh, thigh high. Jazz came in, and the and and there was no penicillin, and there was no birth control. And the churches came in there and said, "Hey, we don't want this." So, what do you think the solution is? Who do you think is controlling the billionaires, and how do we take control back of the future of our country? Well, when they when they put them into a digital system, then they just say, you know, we don't like you giving money to the church billionaire. We don't like you building parks. We don't like you giving and helping your employees with health care. So uh, guess what? You're frozen. You know, get your fun. They better be stocking up in these billions of gold. You know, mm-hmm. they they better have their vault full of uh, 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 what was that cartoon? The the duck guy. Oh, Daffy Duck, Donald Duck, Scrooge McDuck. No, yeah, Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> you know, they better have something like that because they're gonna get froze out too. We're slaves. We're slaves. And Alan Watt explained that. He says that they said we got a better solution than having slaves. We get them tied to the money. We don't have to feed them and take care of them, but we come back and tax them and get it all back easily. Yeah, I tweeted the other day that the 16th Amendment is a violation of the 13th Amendment. So an income tax is a, viola- is a violation of uh, anti-slavery because if one out of every four days that you work, your money goes to the government. Are you not, in part, enslaved by the government? Yeah, and Mitch McConnell just said, I ain't going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're not entitled. They're not entitled. Yeah. Well, Len, thank you so much for your call. I appreciate your feedback. Next up, I want to hear from Anthony in Kentucky, who says Elon Musk is a liar. I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are, Anthony. Thank you for calling in. Are you with us? Yes, sir. I sure am. All right. So what do you think about Elon Musk? Well, let me do a plug for you guys first. And uh, can I just shout out to all you listeners to go get that Brain Force Ultra. It is awesome. I'm a truck driver, and it really gives me the clarity when I'm out here on the road. Thank you for that plug. It's 60% off, by the way, at InfoWarsStore.com. Make sure you check it out. And next, uh, Elon Musk, I think he's playing possum, Cap, because nobody has been reinstated that's been out there speaking the truth like uh, uh, Harrison and mm. Owen and Alex and uh, Trump and all them. So, And then, as well, as PayPal, his sister company, has just in, uh, put forth a policy that they're going to uh, penalize the users $2,500 dollars mm-hmm. For anybody that puts out misinformation on these other platforms. Yeah, that's true. But it, uh, Elon has not been involved with PayPal for almost 20 years. And I did see that he um, tweeted his opposition to that policy that PayPal uh, has uh, uh, after it was announced that that um, they were doing that. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think he's still involved with PayPal behind the scenes? Well, he, he still owns it, right? 
Or has he sold it? He sold. I believe. Well, I don't think he's involved if anymore. If he sold it, okay. Well, you were saying earlier that he was a sister company, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see because he's still got all them other policies of being the globalist and everything else. So I, I don't think a leopard can change his spots. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your call. I appreciate your feedback on that. Next up, I want to hear from Stephen in Florida about the Ukraine nuclear threat that we could be facing. Stephen, are you with us? Hey, good morning, Chase. Um, good morning. I wanted to, uh, before I address that issue, I just want to address a couple other things that you've sure. been talking about with callers uh, and Greg Reese, actually. Well, first of all, I take the Bible as the authority on uh, spiritual matters and all matters of life. Heaven and hell are in eternity, not here on earth. We should not say that good times and bad times are heaven or hell on earth. That is absolutely false. If you take the Bible as the absolute authority on that. So I just want to throw that out. Okay. Um, secondly, this issue of Trump and DeSantis. Okay. Now I'm here in Florida. I've been here second time around for 12 and a half years. And there's two camps I have a problem with. One is the never Trumpers. We know who they are, the rhinos, et cetera. But the other one are the always Trumpers. These are mm -hmm. people like Laura Loomer and Roger Stone. And shame on them. Laura last week railing on DeSantis and Trump can do no wrong. And a caller called in after she was on with Owen and you said it right. It sounds like a cult. And then Roger saying, oh, Senator or a governor DeSantis sanctimonious. OK, this is garbage. OK, I don't even think DeSantis is looking at 2024. He's too concerned about what's going on here. Like when he sent the 50 illegals up to Mar Martha's Vineyard there, we got that. And let's not forget, here's my opinion. Forget about 2024 and the presidency. Folks, we got a wide open border. We got 64 million unborn whose blood is crying out to God for judgment. We got all these children being sex trafficked. And we're thinking about the presidential election. And let me remind you, folks, when Hillary was in the White House, Okay, the Republicans had the Senate and the House. What got done? Nothing. Uh, when the Bush regime was in W, and we had the the, the Republicans had the presidency and both houses of Congress. Again, what got done? Nothing. Nothing. And now they're talking about McCarthy being the Speaker, <laughs> and Mitch McConnell's still there. Who now it's shown he has ties to FTX. And he's got his communist Chinese wife with ties to the CCP. So give me a break, folks. The Republicans aren't going to come in and fix this, okay? Mm -hmm. It's just there's good people within that. Okay, now, that being said, I wanted to comment on this Russia-Ukraine mm -hmm. situation. All right, there's a parallel here. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9, it says, The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go to Bandot Video, you scroll down to InfoWars Films, I would recommend everybody watch Alex Jones' film, Terror Storm, which was put out in 2007, where he perfectly lays out how politics and things in life work as far as the global scheme, okay? with, uh, you know, terror, uh, false flag attacks, the history of government-sponsored terror, et cetera. 
But he, he also lays out in there the false right-left paradigm, okay, which it is. It's fake. It's two factions of the same party putting on a good show for public consumption. That's what we've got in America. But in there he shows how, you know, the globalists have done things to rig things, etc. And so here, here's the thing. When you look back, how did World War II get started? And this is what he went yeah, into. False flag operation. Yeah. Lent, or Stephen, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it. Take more calls in the next segment. Stay tuned, folks. It's the fourth coin that we've released in the last year. And I believe the most powerful, the man in the arena coin, Teddy Roosevelt. Citizen of a republic, the man in the arena. There's only 10,000 of this coin in existence in the world. It will never be made again. And it's not just an amazing historic coin. It funds the information war against the globalists. This is something you want to hand down to your grandchildren. This is something you want to own. And as a fundraiser, it is funding the information war against the globalists. Ladies and gentlemen, 10,000 coins are available. They'll sell out very quickly. Please be part of history. And thank you all for your support. You can go to 1776coin.com or you can go to patriotcollectibles.com and secure this coin. There's only 10,000 of this coin in existence and it funds the info war. Man in the Arena coin, Teddy Roosevelt, 1776coin.com. At the time of cutting this announcement, we are halfway into the month of November 2022. We're running the biggest sale of the year right through December. But many of our best-selling products will sell out in the next week to two weeks and will not be back in stock for at least two to three months. So now is the time to get the 60% off exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com on amazing products like X3, Vitamin Mineral Fusion, Body's Ultimate Turmeric Formula, DNA Formula, Plus, Ultimate Krill Oil, Ultimate Fish Oil. There are so many other incredible products available at InfoWarsStore.com. It would take an hour to list them all. My book, The Great Reset, The War for the World, unsigned copies and signed copies, again available at InfoWarsStore.com. Please do your Christmas shopping early and support the InfoWar at this critical juncture for America and the future of the world. Again, the biggest sales of the year running now. Most of the products are still in stock, but not for long at InfoWarsStore. Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, ladies and gentlemen. Taking more calls segment and in the next hour we're going to have an awesome guest Adam Krigler on the show I want to take a call from Jefferson in Virginia with a name like that, how can you not take the call DeSantis will not primary against Trump, Jefferson can you hear me I hear you Chase, good morning good morning to you Yeah, I think the political landscape is going to change dramatically here in the next six months and we're not really uh, ready for it, you know mm-hmm. with the uh, fuel shortages and food shortages and we're running out of diesel, uh, things are going to get dramatically worse very quickly. But I think uh, <clears throat> we're all sort of missing the point that uh, Kevin McCarthy is not going to be Speaker of the House, so we won't have a speaker on the first day of Congress. And then there's going to be another ballot, and eventually they're going to come around to realizing that Donald Trump should be the Speaker of the House. 
and that puts him two heartbeats away from the presidency, and Kamala's ineligible. So if if Biden basically keels over, Trump could be president in less than six months, maybe shorter time. So I don't think DeSantis is going to come out of his lane and attack the incumbent president, who's Donald Trump. He's entitled to a third term because he's only been elected to one. He can be right. elected to a second. But so, do, you, do you think Trump has too much pride to take a speaker position? Do you think that he would be afraid that it was perceived as a demotion from his uh, highest ranking office held yet, which, of course, is presidency? Yeah, well, we, we got to worry about uh, bigger things than his ego in this. Mm-hmm. First, first off, he, he needs to be educated by Ivan Raikland about all the different powers he would have as Speaker of the House. He could control an awful lot of things that, that do or don't happen going forward if he's speaker. And he only has to be speaker for a short amount of time. I'm pretty sure that a Secret Service agent at the White House would recognize that if Trump is the Speaker of the House, he would get an immediate pardon were he to do what he needed to do to get Biden and Kamala on the same day. Do you so, think that if he was Speaker of the House, he would create a uh, House investigation committee on the January 6th investigation committee? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Trump would be the only person that had standing as speaker and the supposed alleged insurrectionist leader to go to court and say, I need to see all 14,000 hours of the video that Nancy is withholding under sovereign immunity. Mm -hmm. He'd be the only one that could win the case if he's the speaker. You can't do it as he's he's the president, the ex-president, but as the speaker, he would both have the power supposedly and the uh, the standing as the supposed alleged insurrectionist leader to go to court and say, well, if I'm the leader, I need to see this exculpatory evidence. So you, you have to say I'm the only one that has standing as the speaker. Mm. So if he became Speaker of the House, would he be referred to as Mr. Speaker or Mr. President? Uh, you can say both. You hyphenate it. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, Mr. President. <laughs> I love it. I think he, I've been saying that he should he should uh, be the Speaker of the House for for a long time. Uh, I just hope that he has the capacity to accept that position and not um, disregard it as uh, um, a blemish on his ego. Because I, honestly, I think it would be a very creative troll and an awesome uh, uh, political strategy. Yeah, I think, uh, like I say, if he were to speak with Ivan Raiklin about this, I think we've had him as a guest many times on the show. But Ivan's right on top of this issue. Uh, he's a constitutional authority. He's a, a, a good uh, guest on any time you have him on. And uh, he, he, you know, he knows that uh, Trump said this was an interesting idea when it was suggested to him by Wayne Allen Root more than a year ago. Mm-hmm. So he knows about it. I think he's he's keeping it on the down low for the moment because. He knows McCarthy isn't going to get enough votes to be speaker. So he's saying he supports McCarthy right now because he knows it's not going to work out for McCarthy. So that sort of holds the position open for him to come in at the last second and say, well, why don't you just make me speaker? Mm. Interesting take, Jefferson. Thank you so much for your call. Next, I want to hear from Chad in Little Rock on distrust of Elon Musk and whether or not corporations can come to the rescue. Chad, are you with us? Yeah, Chase. Hey, uh, First of all, I hadn't seen you on here before, and I appreciate that you speak concisely and positively in framing the uh, discussion topics. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. So the problem I see with Elon and Trump is the same, and it is a form of idol worship. Mm. It is a step backwards into 
our whole life is beholden to what these feudal lords do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the problem with Musk and Twitter is that it's like, okay, so this guy's now the savior of our free speech over on Twitter. No, that's not a good idea. You're taking the power away from the constitution. But in that problem, I see a solution. If the truth is that America has actually been ruled as a corporation, you know, since the Federal Reserve and all this stuff, then I would say it doesn't matter how perfect the Constitution is. Obviously, corporations and computers as a technology have taken the place of representative government because you basically just program these rules into both of those, corporations and computers. It takes the place of people. It's the will, and then it comes out, especially on Twitter where you're seeing people censored by bots stuff politically. So I would say that what we need to do is use InfoWars as a model. It's a corporation. Uh, so we need to be together based on our will, like free speech, and then really that's worldwide. So. This whole Nash, I get the whole importance of the southern border and stuff like that. But just in general, I think if we took that and go, well, this is what they're doing is using these corporations and computers. We need to have cooperative systems so that the people that are energized can take part more directly Mm. so that at the end of each day, it's like a business. And you go, here's our goals and here's measurably how we got closer to our goals. And last thing I'll say. If you do want to try to work with local government, we need to have a system to make local InfoWars TV, just like the, the network broadcasting does, as, as for the purpose of mobilizing people to go vote or those kind of things. That's all I have to say. Well, thank you so much for your call, Chad. I, I really appreciate that feedback. And what Chad was saying about... Corporations being unable to come to the rescue. I I agree. I I am a fan of Elon Musk. I I don't distrust him primarily because I can't think of any time that he's ever lied up until this point. That it's not to say that it won't happen in the future, and I could be totally misguided and wrong about Elon Musk. But I have no reason to distrust him. Everything that he's done has been legitimate up until this point, as far as I can tell. That being said, I think it's incredibly alarming that. Freedom of speech came under such overwhelming attack the last several years that it required a rogue billionaire to come in and buy up a gigantic corporation in an effort to solve the problem, which is yet to be solved. But I do believe at least in part ground will be recovered on the side of freedom of speech. But that being said, if it takes a rogue billionaire to solve a national problem, then there's obviously something inherently wrong with the system. That's not sustainable moving forward. There is not going to be a heroic billionaire for every problem that we face in this country who can come in and buy up corruption or sever the ties of fascism with corporations. We can't rely on the Elon Musks 
of the future to be able to solve our problems. He is a once in a century thinker and businessman, the likes of Henry Ford um, and others who we revere in our study of history and capitalism and entrepreneurism. And I, I, I adore Elon Musk. I admire him. I, I, I look up to him. I find all of his accomplishments quite inspiring. That being said, we cannot lean on individual billionaires to save America. We have to lean on individual Americans to save America by coming together under a common banner that is the love of America, the love of Americanism, a populist individualist movement to take this country back. And we're going to have to use civil disobedience in order to accomplish it because we can't vote our way out of this, in my opinion. But before we go into the next segment with our awesome guest, Adam Krigler, I do want to draw your attention to InfoWarsStore.com. We are doing a mega blowout sale and we are selling out fast up to 60% off of our top selling items for just the second time in our history in infowars store history we are announcing a selling out mega blowout sale even though many of our top selling items are in limited supply and won't be back in stock until next year we're putting them all on sale for up to 60 percent off these are all limited in supply so be sure to act and order today check out vitamin c with zinc at 40 percent off brain force ultra at 50 percent off and super male and female vitality at 50 percent off check out infowarsstore.com buy something for yourself buy something for your friends and family help support the war against america at infowarsstore.com let's win this war against america folks stay tuned until about 150 years ago cultures all over the world believe that people got sick and died in many cases in the winter because of something called vapors. They associated these poisonous vapors with cold weather. Of course, it wasn't the cold weather or catching a chill that killed people. What was killing people was a lack of vitamin D3. You see, the sun via your skin helps your body produce vitamin D3. But if you're not getting enough sun, you will not produce vitamin D3, and then it's very easy for viruses and other things to start replicating and taking your body over. So now it's more important than ever, because the winter's here, to take high-quality vitamin D3, and we have the best with our vitamin D3 gummies with calcium for better upload into your body for 50% off at InfoWarsStore.com with promo code 1776. Don't wait. Support the InfoWar and your immune system with vitamin D3 gummies at InfoWarsStore.com. <laughs> 